0: welcome to said on sunday a podcast by kellyville anglican where we talk about what was said on sunday or even what we didn't have time to say on sunday we are passionate about being deep in the word of god and doing life together in community so thanks for letting us into your week as we learn more about jesus together here's today's episode hello everyone welcome back to another episode of said on sunday my name's beck and i'm hosting the podcast today And joining me as we answer your questions from the last uh, sermon on Sermon of the Mount um, in Matthew is Dan. Hi, Dan. Hello, hello. And Nathan.
1: Hello. Good to be here.
0: I'm glad you guys are here. Now, Dave, who was our preacher on Sunday, actually couldn't make it today. So my first question is which one of you wants to impersonate him? Yeah,
1: I've always (laughs) always considered myself Dave's spokesman, so I'll be be Dave. All right. In that case,
0: why don't you share with us what Dave spoke about on Sunday? Yeah,
1: look, It was a bit of a dud. No, 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 no. It was a great great one. Yeah, yeah, it was a great one. Yeah, it was good. It was good. No, it was excellent. Sorry. Um, So Sunday, yeah, we got uh, more. We've come to the end of the sermon, so we've had a whole set of two... Sets between two. So last week it was two uh, paths, two false teachers, two tossed disciples, and now we got two buildings, and sort of the two foundations, and then what's going to happen uh, when a storm comes? So yeah, there's two two builders. One's in a hurry, bad foundation. One you know listens to God's word, builds a solid foundation, uh, and then yeah, the two foundations uh, get tested, and one crumbles and one thrives. So mm-hmm. uh, and then yeah, sort of which what what one are we gonna are we going to be? Because uh, Jesus' words are hard, and so it can be easy to reject them and 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 go and build a house on sand. Uh, but if we embrace it, embrace Jesus' teaching, try to obey, build a house on a solid rock, which is a solid foundation for the storms and trials of life and and faith. So, yeah, mm. it's, it was really good. It's really good. Not a dud. Good job, Dave.
0: (laughs) Yeah, just as well. You know this is being recorded, right, and you might listen. So (laughs) (laughs) nice covering of your tracks. Um, Okay, so our first question um, relates to the foolish man and the analogy that Dave was sharing Mm -hmm. with us. So you just said, as Dave did, that the foolish man was in a hurry. But Um, someone asks, where in the text does it talk about the foolish man being in a hurry?
1: Yeah, I don't think it does. Um, But... I think I think Dave's kind of just drawing an inference it's a it's a quick easy fix and it's simple it's easy uh, kind of it's similar to the the wide and, and narrow roads one of them is harder and more grueling and more challenging and takes time uh, and the other one is is quick and easy and so yes I don't think the words uh, in a hurry uh, are mentioned but I think it's it's that 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 path of least resistance kind of thing that they're looking at quick results, quick turnarounds. And so I think Dave's kind of inferred it from the text rather than explicitly um, mentioning it. Mm. Um, so, yeah. So I think it's a valid comment even though the, the words aren't explicitly said. Mm.
0: Yeah. Dan, anything to add? In defence of Dave? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Ditto. No, <laughs> No. Um, I think there's a... You've got to draw something from the like the wise versus the foolish kind of analogy. And I think, yeah, there's there's definitely a deliberateness to the wise man mm. and a, a measured kind of approach, I guess you could say, particularly because the text does focus on how um, – hello, can you hear me now? We're good? Great. <laughs> um, I was saying there's a measuredness to how the wise man approaches the building and this process that we're talk about, talking about in this passage – and um, yeah, the passage does focus on the wise man and his building, but I guess the opposite of that is the hurried, is the foolish, is the is yeah everything that the wise man is not kind of thing.
0: Mm. Yeah, mm. so it's an exploration of the metaphor. Yeah, really. Yeah. So it t- mm. like inherent in a metaphor of the foundation is that foundations take a long time to build. Mm. Mm. And Mm. so it's the picture of the wise man, is examining his life, living a deliberate life, whereas the foolish man is like, let's go Mm. without any kind of thought to what Jesus' words are.
1: Yeah, Mm. that's good.
0: Okay, so the next question we had was around faith and works, which Mm. is really important to keep on delving into and discussing. So thank you for these questions. Um, So the question is, I'm confused on whether we are saved by faith or works. Can you go a little deeper into the distinction and what the relationship is between faith and
1: works? Yeah, it's a good question. And it's been been a nagging question since Christianity started. Mm. So there's... So Dave's quote, which I think is a Luther quote that that he used, that uh, we're saved by faith alone. Uh, So we're saved by faith. Uh, Once we put our faith in Jesus, we are saved, but saving faith. So that's the first part of the quote. second part of the quote is, but saving faith is never alone. So we're saved by faith alone, but saving faith is never alone. So faith is meant to lead to works. And so we are saved by faith, but it's a little bit alarming if you say that you trust Jesus and that you fully embraced his death and resurrection and that he saved you from your sin, that he's your Lord and Saviour, yet you have zero desire to do any works out of that. Mm. And so you're saved by faith, but you do want – yeah, it is a red flag. Why Why don't you want to obey? Why Why does Jesus' words mean very little to you if he's your Lord and Saviour? Mm. So I think that's, that's, that's where the challenge is. So 100% saved by faith, but – uh, we do need to that needs to lead to works, and I guess your go-to text is you know Ephesians two through eight through ten. For it's by yeah. grace you have been saved through faith, and it's not from yourselves; it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Uh, but then verse ten says, "For we are God's handiwork, created him to to do good works." So we're saved mm. absolutely by faith alone, not by works. But then our faith is meant to lead to works. So I think that's mm. a nice uh, it's a nice
2: text that catches um, both mm, both essences of that. Yeah. Um, one that thing that came to mind is it's not like the Bible is silent on the works side of things either. We have to remember that order, in that um, it is by faith that we are saved in Christ alone. But um, James um, came to mind in James 2. Um, someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without your deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe there is one God, good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. And like, that's the whole, it's, 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 a, it's going to be a constant wrestle. Like we are such tangible people. We see things around us and we, we based on what we see, we can make inferences and particularly there, like even the demons know that Jesus is Lord and they shudder at that. Um, and it's one step to have faith and believe that's true. But if that faith is not exercised in works and not even that, like, it should be an outpouring, it should be a desire to be growing in how we act as well. And like like James says, there is that in crucial thing in how you display it too. Mm. But going back again to um, having a healthy tension between those two things of we must act and we have to have a desire to act our faith out but also knowing that we are saved and that no- nothing we do can contribute to that.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think if you have faith in something that will be shown in the way that you act, mm. like – and James, um, the book of James, not James producing our podcast right nice. now, um, <laughs> references um, like Rahab. Did he yes. talks about Rahab. Rahab so and Abraham. Yeah. yeah, and Abraham. So you see Rahab's faith in God by what she does when she um, helps the Israelites escape from, um, escape from Jericho – Right, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, so she disobeys her king, um, the king of Jericho, but obeys God because she believes God is trustworthy. So you can kind of see that relationship between faith and works. That faith, what is it, faith without works is dead, is mm. dead. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so, yeah, so that so you're not saved by your works, but your works are evidence of the faith that you yeah. have, mm.
1: um, and so, yeah, I mean, the classic debate is does James contradict Paul? Because Paul's very yeah, heavy mm. on the on the faith, saved by faith bit, and James is heavier on the works bit. But like I said, Ephesians mm. two eight to ten is Paul. And so he mm. says saved by faith that leads to mm. works and, and Paul's got Romans six. It's like if we're saved by grace, can we just sin? Knowing that yep. Grace will increase all the Says Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. No, you've been united with Christ. Let's let's go. Live live like he wants you to live. Like mm. so so there's no there's no tension there. And James, mm. James pretty much, you know, if he had if we had turned it in James would get in big trouble because he pretty much copied the Sermon on the Mount <laughs> <his> <laughs> <book>. <laughs> with a few twists. So yeah, uh, yeah. so James is echoing Jesus' words. And so yeah. there is a heavy emphasis on it, even though we're not saved by them, which mm. makes sense. Like if I say I love my wife, but I don't want to do anything that she asked me to do and it's like, Well it's yeah. fair enough to question that whether I love her or not. Yeah. I don't want to pay mm. any attention or listen to her or to, yeah, do anything that mm. she finds helpful or beneficial, you'd go. I think it's just verbal and not real. And mm. so I think, yeah, help remembering that Christianity is a relationship and so how, how you would act in a relationship is a helpful uh, marker for how you you treat Jesus and his word, yeah. There's yeah. a
2: sincerity and an integrity in our belief when it's desired to be shown out in action. You want to all the more do the things that please God because of the relationship that, that, that we have with him. Mm. Um, but I hear also, not necessarily behind this question, but... It is a tension. So it is a wrestle and it will be a wrestle for as long as we're alive because that's what it is. Like, yeah. Yeah.
0: Mm. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And I guess we can flip-flop um, between mm. the two, like feel like we're doing really well because of our works are looking pretty mm. Shmico, mm. Um, or just being utterly ashamed of our lives and mm. think we can't approach God at all because we don't understand his grace. So it's, it's tricky. The next question actually kind of like investigates that um, fine line a little bit. Um, so, uh, the question is Dave mentioned to look at what ground we are standing on. I have recognized that I'm standing on the ground of having confidence in my actions rather than God. Do you have any tips on how I can switch to being on the ground of God?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I remember, I think I, I have a cheeky mentor and I remember going, Oh mate, I think I'm getting a bit arrogant, you know, with my faith and knowledge and works. He said, you. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's good. That anyway, so I thought it's a good way. Um, but I think, yeah, there's a – man, I've, the reference escapes me. But there's pretty much you can uh, – when you're comparing yourself to others, uh, often when you, you know, when you get confidence in your works, it's you're compa- comparing yourself to others and giving mm. yourself a favourable uh, turn. Whereas uh, – It's definitely Paul that says it, but which book uh, I forget is compare yourself to Christ Yeah, and that will keep you sombre-minded. And Mm, so that's the standard, that's the barometer of faith. It's not, and do I go to church more than my friend or have I had more quiet times than most of the people in my small group? It's how do I compare to Christ? Mm. And uh, if you compare yourself to Christ, then uh, one, that'll humble you uh, and two, that'll turn you to repentance and humility and trusting in his works for you. So the standard uh, of Christ is perfection. And so, Mm. yeah, if you're feeling confident, that should knock it out of you pretty quickly. That'll push um, you to grace. Yes, or you need to get huh? a cheeky mentor that will <laughs> shut you down pretty quick. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm getting arrogant. You, yeah. What have you got to be arrogant about? Thought, yeah, it's true. Yeah. Um. So no, that's good. It's a couple, couple of helpful ways. Hmm. Mm. Another
2: Nothing I would say is like the fact that you've you've reached out with this, and I have recognized that I'm standing mm. on this ground too. Like it's that it starts with that recognition in self, and um being constant and like having that reflection in yourself and it's what's next. And I guess I, that is the point of the question. Like looking at the, um, I would say um, tips on switching is like, where is the motivation behind those actions that you're doing or what might have come to mind as you were thinking about this, about this, um, this thing. Um, Yeah. And like, um, really, maybe sharing with other people that you're close to, and sharing that maybe the people that you, if it's a ministry-related thing in the actions or something like that. Maybe t- if you're a leader or if you're in a part of a team, to other people on that team and saying, how, how 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 does how does this look like? What is what is my ministry looking like at, the, at this at, the, at the, this time? What is am I showing God? Am I showing am I is everything I'm doing outwardly also bringing glory to God and having the intention of Really bring coming back to we are doing this we we are ministering and doing all the things that we're doing in life because we're trying to bring glory back to God. Um, and yeah, the yeah that's probably what I would say with that one. Mm.
0: Yeah, so a good book you might want to have a look at if you want to guess um, be aware of just how holy God is might be um, R C Sprawl Sprawl. What do you, what do you, how do you pronounce that? R.C. Sprawl. Sprawl. sprawl, Yeah, Yeah, R.C. Sprawls. The Holiness of God, which I have read, but it was probably like 15 years ago now, but it's very, very good. Um, A more recent book about holiness um, is Holier Than Thou by Jackie Hill Perry, which I haven't read, but she comes highly commended as Mm. an author. Mm. Um, Yeah, as Sprawl says, Uh, Only as we encounter God in his holiness is it possible to see ourselves as we really are, Mm. which is kind of what you were saying, Nathan. So you're in good company. That's good. But don't get arrogant.
1: I won't get arrogant. I've got nothing to be arrogant about. Apparently (laughs) not.
0: (laughs) All right. Um, Our next question is on the subject of heaven and hell, Mm. which is a tough topic. How can we respond to someone who wholeheartedly believes that God will let everyone into heaven and that there isn't a judgment or hell?
1: Yeah, I think first bit is to sympathise with their desire for that to be true. Mm. So that's, I would love that to be true. Um, although there are some quite clever apologists who go, actually, you don't want that to be true. Do you want Hitler you know, in heaven with you? Do you want some of the worst evils? Unrepented evils in there within heaven with you Mm. and so they'll push you and say no you don't but i can understand most of the people you meet in life you go oh i want you to be in heaven even if you're not a christian so i sympathize with that uh, desire i think there's not really any text that you can really turn to to support that view though where you know jesus talks a lot about the places with weeping and and gnashing of teeth and it is jesus who speaks the most about hell Mm. um and the analogy of the sheep and the goats in matthew 25 and even just the the heading before a passage today, Matthew seven, when the day of judgment, you know, that people will not be acknowledged. So I think there's a lot, a lot, uh, particularly all through the Gospels where Jesus talks about hell mm. as a as a real thing, and and it's a place where people will go. Um, the parable of the rich man and 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 um, and Lazarus, and is it Lazarus? He gets a name, yeah. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so yeah, I think. <sighs> Yeah, I can totally sympathise with the desire, and so when you have, if you bring that desire to the text, I'm sure you could twist a few passages to make it fit that, um, like a John three sixteen, he loved the whole world and gave his son, and so therefore the whole world will benefit from it, or something like that. You can make a stretch like that, mm. um, but yeah, there's there's too much textual evidence yeah. against it. If you it, take just, scripture as a whole, yeah, it's, it's it paints it's a really.
0: A more yeah. diverse picture than that.
1: Yes, yeah, so I think. Yeah, it'd be lovely. It'd be lovely in some ways if everyone made it. Um, but that, but then in, in some ways that that but that compromises God's character as well. So it would come at a cost. If he he be, he's loving and merciful, but he's no longer just. And so mm. you do you lose a key attribute of God. And again, like those apologists have said, you do you really want everyone in heaven with you? Because mm. there's some awful people, and it means that. It means that, you know, that some people who have done awful atrocious things never get brought to justice. Yeah. And so uh, actually I think we, we kind of do want it. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: Mm, I think that, that last point you mentioned, Nath, is so important. Like what do we know of God? And we see many examples in the Old Testament and all that kind of stuff right through the Bible where there is judgment in on the people, even Israel itself. Like mm-hmm. exile happened because... God judged them and yeah. needed to temper them in the fire of exile and just if yeah if if he sends everyone to heaven and it, and there's no hell or judgment, what does that tell us about God? Like that just compromises so much of the faith that we have, I feel like and um, even the mission to to see everyone come to God like in, in, in from the from Jesus, um, and more than that, like like we've we've already said, it, it's a theme that comes up right through throughout scripture, and th- there's even the entirety of Revelation dedicated to images of what that will look like, and it's so it's something that is definitely present. And yeah, you could proof text or spin, but that's not great to do with scripture, obviously. Mm.
0: Yeah. I guess I'd be interested as well to understand why that person thinks that. Mm, mm. Um, are they coming from a Christian perspective? Are they a Christian wrestling with this issue or are they not a Christian wrestling with this issue? Um, and so it's always a good first mm. question to ask is, oh, like why mm. Why do you think that? I don't want to assume why you think that. And that might give you a bit more information as well. Mm. Cool. And
2: I, sorry. And I think particularly like as thinking about that, like what is in action what does that drive you to, as mm. well? Like, if it's if you're trying to think of a, um, if you've maybe been trying to talk to someone about Jesus and they've been resistant, and maybe this is just a hopeful thought kind mm. of thing, or yeah, like the, the question, like we were saying, the why, the question behind the question of this kind mm. of thing, of um, and maybe speaking into that a little more kind of thing.
1: Mm. It does make this life, like, if that's if that theology is true, it does make this life meaningless in in one sense. Mm. Just do whatever you want, and actually makes morality meaningless because there's no. Consequences, And so, yeah. yeah, do whatever you want. And uh, from a
0: Christian perspective, if you believe, if you're a Christian who thinks everyone ends up in heaven, then why did Jesus have to die? It actually paints God in a um, dreadful light that yeah. he would send his beloved son to die for no reason at yeah. all. Um, we actually need the justice of the cross in order to cover us so that yeah. we can enter heaven if everyone was going to get in anyway, then Jesus' death was for nothing. Um, and as a Christian, I think that's difficult. It might not be an argument that would necessarily resonate with a non-Christian, um, but I think what would resonate with a non-Christian more is, well, where's the justice then? That uh. It's that question. Um, and if God – like, yeah, it, it, hell is – we are – community of justice, like people are getting cancelled every oh, second day yes. um, on Twitter or X or whatever it's called yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. um, and so we, ha- we do have this innate sense of justice. So if, mm. if a person is not a Christian, um, hell is kind of this picture of God's justice. But no one need go there because mm. Jesus did come to save yeah. us. Mm. Yep. All right, we're actually up to our last question now it's a very personal and vulnerable question, so I appreciate you being brave enough to ask it. Um, it's about masturbation, um, so buckle up. That's good. Um, all right, so the question is, hello, I'm not trying to be rude, but how do people stop masturbation and what does the Bible say about trying to stop it?
1: Yeah, it's a... Uh... It's a interesting topic actually, and mm. as a youth pastor, you do need to you do need to think about it. Yeah, uh, because particularly when people are single and not married, it's kind of the only possible form of sexual expression mm. um, that they have. So it's a tricky one. So and it's just tricky because the Bible doesn't talk about the physical act. Yeah. Of masturbation, so it'd be fair to say that it the physical act in and of itself is morally neutral, neither mm-hmm. good nor bad. But where it gets tricky is that. Lust is bad. That's what we've seen in the Sermon of the Mount. Yeah, know, that's right. You know, if your eye calls you to sin, gouge it out. Mm. Um, and so lust is sinful. And so the tricky part with masturbation is often lust and masturbation go hand in hand. And mm. So it's really, it's really, it's really tricky. So hypothetically if you could masturbate without thinking anything lustful or ungodly, it would be a morally neutral act. Mm. But I don't know how you would do that <laughs> so yeah. i don't know so i think realistically it's always going to be accompanied by lust so it's best not to do it in terms of how to stop it uh kind of getting into there's the spiritual stuff you want to bring before god and and putting in habits and things to help stop you uh, and then from a psychological perspective a lot of these pornography and masturbation is triggered by instances uh, kind of certain circumstances so if you're bored and uh, that'll be often a common one so it might be Okay, if I'm bored, I'm going to go outside. I'm going to go – I'm going to call a friend. I'm going to do something. Mm. Uh, if I'm stressed, you know, so there's stress, boredom uh, and so there's often psychological triggers as well. And so it can be – or it can just be if I'm home alone, you know, then that could be a dangerous time. So it, it might be me u- using, using logistics as well to, to fight that. Yeah. And so, okay, and having a strategy. Okay, if I'm bored, for me it'd be bored I'm going for a walk or a run. Um. Yeah, stress, I kind of – I turn to kind of doing more work. So stress is kind of that's my – so it's not a temptation at, at that point. But, yes, and so it is good to deal with it now because uh, marriage really helps with it but it doesn't fix it. And mm. So unfortunately I'd love to tell you that once you yeah, – get yeah. And some people won't get married at all. But yeah. uh, assuming you do get married, it does. it is a help but it's not a fix. And so you'll still be tempted to do it. After marriage, so it's good to nip it in the bud uh, now. And so there's, yeah, lots of good spiritual practices and and kind of logistical practices that make it easier. And once you get momentum with it, um, with stopping it, it actually it does get
2: easier and easier. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think particularly in this space, in terms of like how to um, move forward practically, yeah. a really good thing in this space is bring it out, bring it out in the light with someone that you trust, yeah. because this kind of besetting sin, like particularly in this area of lust and that kind of stuff, it really is so easy for it to fester within you. And um, I think particularly Satan works in festering and works in diminishing your control and your your self-language and that kind of thing if you haven't brought it before. First of all, bring it before God. Mm. Like really wrestle with that. And I would say start with that. And then, as much as you can, find someone you really do trust, and bring it out into the open because it's in the open where it can be tackled. Once it's out, it gets much much more easy to tackle, and you can set up accountability there. You can set up so many things that cannot be done when it's just festering inside of you. Um, yeah, I think that that that's the biggest thing. And I also would say, as this is being tackled, physic like physically and practically. Um, and once those structures are there like really celebrate the wins of it like not getting really bogged down if you do have a slip up and you are trying to tackle this but like oh i went this long and that was so much w- without doing that and that was so much better than the last time i tried this um and really thinking about how you're thinking about those kind of that, that kind of space because it is those little wins that help you just keep going toward um, greater purity in this area i guess yeah
1: yeah i remember one brave guy when we are in a mixed small group but we split up for for guy and girl prayer and one brave guy in small group said i struggle with this and brought it up so I'm, I'm masturbating and i'm watching porn and he was terrified to do it but he wanted help and then the rest of the group kind of went yeah me too yeah me too yeah me too <laughs> and then but then it was game it was life changing for a lot of them because they all got software blockers they all had accountability and and a lot of them kicked the habit with the help of with others so yeah do bring it to light um that was very brave and Mm. i have heard of horror stories where a guy makes himself vulnerable and then no one else shares and he goes i'm I'm a monster yeah it is it is a risk but that was a really feel-good story where there's enough trust and vulnerability in a group that they all shared and then all took steps to help um and if you are actually someone it could could, this could be a person who is married and is doing it um share it with your spouse it's a horrible it's a horrible convo um that uh but it's Big step. Again, it's another one. The more people that can keep you accountable, the more people that you know your sin is affecting,
0: mm.
1: uh, the more easy it is to fight. So, yeah, and like Dan said, bring your sin to the light mm. uh, and uh, good things will often happen. Yeah,
0: Yeah. Well, there's a lot of guilt and shame, mm. particularly when you're wrestling with sin on your own, isn't it? So... Like to have some some support and solidarity from people that accept you without judgment and yeah. say okay let's let's go let's yeah. let's improve this area of your life i think that that's um yeah a really positive yeah. a really positive step it does come is risky, so mm. choose wisely who mm, you yeah. might talk to about it. Um, you want someone who is unshockable and um, who understands the grace that God gives us
1: through Jesus. Yeah, probably someone who's a life stage ahead of you might be helpful. Yeah, sharing I with think a peer so. can yeah can go, but it can be really good. It yeah. can be awesome, but it can be can go be really awkward. So yeah, yeah again, you got to assess that relationship.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think mentors are just so great um, yeah. for all areas of and life. Yes. Um, I think people that have been alive for longer, they just know more. Mm. They've got more life experience. Mm. The Well, the wise ones anyway, I guess. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so, yeah, another plug for mentors. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, that brings us to the end of our questions and actually brings us to the end of the sermon series as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so what's happening next?
1: Yes. So we're doing... Our holiday series, actually, even though I've got one more week of school, uh, we're going to do holiday series for three weeks, but we're going to have a little break after this week and then we'll do Samaritan's Purse. Uh, but it's kind of three big questions, so uh, kind of an apologetic series. Mm-hmm. So this week is why do bad things happen to good people? Mm-hmm. Um, and then we'll pause, do Samaritan's Purse, and then we'll do what happens to me when I die, and Dan's going to do that one, and yeah. then I'll be back. So I'm doing the first one, Dan will do the second one, and the last one will be me. So how do I live a happy and fulfilled life? Mm-hmm. Um yeah, so it's interesting. So why do bad things happen to good people? It's yeah.
0: coming up next.
2: Yeah, let's go. Just yeah. a small topic, like yeah, yeah fine. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> why did I get all those viruses? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's
1: that's an assumption that I'm a good person, actually. So maybe, arrogant again. Mm, yeah, that's right. <laughs> bad thing to bad. Yeah, that's good. So no, it is it is a good topic, and it's mm. it is tricky because it's about suffering and people's character, and and mm. yeah, so it's it's a uh, yeah. Anyway, we'll have fun yeah
0: yeah so as far as the podcast goes we won't be recording a podcast next week we'll take all of the questions from the holiday series and do a bumper episode week one of term four so don't be alarmed if we don't show yeah. up on your feed we're still here yeah, yeah. and um, we are ready for your questions so keep sending in the questions through the holidays and we hope to see you on sunday Thanks for listening to this episode. We'd love you to join us at Kellyville Anglican any Sunday at 8.30, 10.30 or 6.15pm. You can find out more information at www.ka.church. So come join us and see for yourself what is said on Sunday.